Howdy, Riffers. This is David Sanchez, and this is episode 60 of the Riffs or Die podcast for Thursday, January 20th, 2021. Hope you all are doing fine and dandy. On this episode, I've got a great interview with the drummer and one of the main lyricists of the band Sick of It All, Mr. Armand Majidi. I think you guys are going to like a lot of what he had to say. He was fired up. I just uh, wound him up and let him go. Sounds like he's very well-researched and well-read, so I think you are going to enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. As always, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch or go to patreon.com slash riffsordie and join me for the monthly Zoom hangouts. If you sign up at the $10 level or higher, you will have access to those Zoom hangouts and you can hang out with me in real time. Ask me anything. A huge shout out to Zachary Mikovitz who signed up on Patreon and one of the higher tiers. Much appreciated, Zach. Your free merchandise is in the mail. Thanks for the support. Really appreciate it, brother. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel on YouTube and go on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast on there. Give it a five star if you really like it. Give it something else if you don't really like it. But if you don't really like it, I'm not sure why you're here. Won't you be a friend and give it a nice little rating there? Just give it a little push on the five stars. Thanks a lot, friend. Now, there is something that came to mind while Armand was speaking, but I forgot to mention it in the conversation with him. This is something that I want you to keep in mind during this interview. And that's the idea that all wars are bankers' wars. This is something that most people don't realize. Bankers profit off of war. They loan money to both sides of a conflict, and then they win. So it doesn't matter which side of the war wins, the bankers always get their money. Ain't that nice? I guess it's nice if you're one of these world bankers. But for everybody else, sorry, you lose! Anyway, in this conversation we get into the drums that he uses, we get into sick of it all lyrics, and we talk about the state of the world, we talk about who runs the world, I hope you all will listen to the end and dig what you hear. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Armand Majidi from Sick of It All. Perfect band name for these times, eh? Let's get to it. So what's going on? Oh, not much. Uh, I'm excited to talk with you. I know that you're one of the rare heavy world musicians that's actually speaking out. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a pretty big task, you know. I'm surprised a lot more people aren't doing it. It's a shame that a lot more people aren't doing it. I think that you know, we're living in strange times that need to be addressed more than just accepted. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. So much for the uh people in the heavy world being rebels and <laughs> speaking out. <laughs> That's the thing about this whole scene, you know, it, it was always founded on the idea of rejecting authority or at least standing up to it, standing against it, questioning everything. You should be able to have critical thought and be skeptical of every narrative that we hear. And yet here we are where people are just beaten into submission by the new restrictions in place and mandates and things like that, where everybody would rather just 
accept their new reality and and move ahead in a very questionable new world rather than say anything let alone do anything just you know even saying anything is is like a crime now yeah it's asking a lot yep <laughs> and I, I i've dealt with the backlash quite a bit you know there are a lot of people out there that don't like the fact that i've made a stand in this way but i don't know i i just i i can't really stand to live through it and not speak up i'm right there with you yeah and I'm, i mean there's a lot of people that are very encouraging and i appreciate the shit out of those people because that's what i think is so important right now for everybody that feels this way to band together to show each other support and to get that sense of community back that we had you know growing up in a, a tight-knit scene like the hardcore scene yeah, I'm a big proponent of people coming together and standing against tyranny, standing up for liberty and human rights. It's interesting how people's view of human rights has completely changed in the last couple of years. And now all mm -hmm. of a sudden, uh, they're, they're not terribly important to the people that claim that they thought they were Yeah, for the longest <laughs> time. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's amazing. And a lot of true colors have been revealed and a lot of uh, people's intentions and people's mindset has been revealed. And uh, a lot of people turned out not being who, me personally, who I thought they were. Yeah, it's true. I think the amount of bravery it takes to voice an unpopular opinion is the main difference, you know, because to go against the grain on any issue is always a difficult path to choose, but you know, some of us just have to do it. And I don't want to pat my own back too much. You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of people out there that are doing exactly the same thing as me and, you know, catching a lot of shit for it as well. I, I hate to hear about people who have lost their relationships that they have even with their own family members because of this. Friendships, sure, that's one thing, but their own family, it goes even deeper. And that's the type of climate that we're in right now. And uh, it just seems that the fact that so many people are willing to give up their personal liberties is really beyond me. Yep. Especially when you consider that uh, a lot of it is basically because of a world of forced consumerism. You know, I've always been very, very aware. Anytime I hear something said on the TV, on the news, through an advertisement, especially because that's the most blatant, is who's making money from this? You know, who's the one behind it who's going to be profiting from it? And when you hear statistics, who does the statistics benefit? You know, like you always have to consider all those things while navigating your way through life. So it's always important to consider who, uh, where is the money going? You know, who profits? Yep, absolutely. I noticed one thing about my band Havoc and your band, Sick of It All, mm -hmm. that we have uh, in a, quite a few songs, very similar lyrics, uh, lyrical topics. I'm wondering, do you write any of the lyrics? Yeah, I have, uh, you know, historically been at least a 50% lyric contributor to the band. That's awesome. Yeah, if not more, there's some albums where I contributed probably 80% of the lyrics. So I've always had a lot to say ever since this um, shutdown has occurred to our whole industry. I haven't been 
quite as creative, quite as prolific, even though you think it would be the other way around. But for whatever reason, I just like uh, Pete has been the main songwriter lately, but uh, which is great. You know, uh, it's great that he's kind of taken the reins on that. What's happened to the world lately has been such a downer for me that my creative juices have kind of dried up in a way. Yeah, I totally understand what you mean. I've experienced a similar kind of thing, probably a lot like you. You're seeing all this stuff going on and thinking like, I already talked about a lot of this shit. I don't even know what to say. Yep, that's kind of true. Yeah, I was listening to your last record, Waking the Sleeping Dragon. Yep. And uh, I have a couple questions about that record, if you don't mind me asking. One thing that stood out to me immediately, you're the drummer in the band, and the drums on that record sound awesome, especially the toms. What kind of drum set were you using on that? Those were sonar toms. I got hooked up by sonar many years ago, and uh, so I ended up with this fantastic drum set through them. It was like a a really nice sonar kit, like a a maple kit from Germany that I got hooked up with through some kind of, it was like a Warped Tour slash Hard Rock Cafe connection where I donated a historic Sick of It All kit to the Hard Rock Cafe because we played the Hard Rock Cafe uh, stage on the Warped Tour. So I donated the kit to them and they hooked me up with whatever kit I wanted. So I just like picked this ridiculous kit through their catalog and it got sent to me. And those are the times that you hear on the record. Sweet. Sounds killer. And what's the snare drum? Uh, that snare drum is also a sonar. It's the Phil Rudd signature snare. Killer. I love Phil Rudd. Yeah. Phil Rudd's awesome. And ever since I was recommended this snare drum by the guy at sonar years back, I've used it religiously. And it's strange because even you know, normally the snare that you use live isn't the one that you want in the studio because it's not quite clean enough or, or it doesn't have like the tone you want it to, or, you know, engineers get really kind of particular about the certain sounds that they hear. But the engineer that we worked with on the last record, Jerry Farley, he loved the aggression in the Phil Rudd snare compared to the other snares that I had with me. And, you know, it's just an unquestionably great snare for hardcore. It just has such a nice crack to it, has such an aggressive edge to it that it just works with the music really well. Absolutely. What's that drum made out of? It's a chrome-plated brass, I believe. Okay, yeah. Brass crushes on snare. I fucking love brass snares. Yeah, beautiful instrument. Yes, absolutely is. And then lyrics on that record, like I said, a lot of them remind me of lyrics that I've written. I'm curious about the song, The New Slavery. Did you write that one? (laughs) I did. Yep, that one's fine. I even sang it on the record. (laughs) Oh, shit. I have a a feeling Lou kind of backed off of it because he's just like, well, these aren't exactly my feelings. I'm going to let you you put yourself out there with uh, your... Go ahead, wear a tinfoil hat in the studio and, uh, and, and sing those lyrics. But these are the lyrics that really solidify my stance against the media and against the government and against basically what we're accepting into our lives as a result of all of this, you know, Operation Mockingbird influence that we've seen over the last few decades. You know, uh, it seems like the government using the media as their brainwashing technique, their psychological operations, you know, it's like being able to get inside people's heads by constantly bombarding them with the same exact message. 
it is very influential and is very dangerous. And that was one of the things I was addressing. Basically, a lot of false flag narratives that were meant to believe that you watch unfold on the news and you just, you think to yourself, like, this is completely implausible. You know, how could this happen when you see this happening on, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many questions, there's so many things that should be questioned that should uh, be open to questioning, which are not. And when you see people's careers being destroyed because they do speak out, you know that there's something fishy going on. And you know that the powers that be are really operating in a very, very devious, sinister way. So, you know, that song deals with all of those kind of things. Does it have any connection to the Federal Reserve? Yes, because the Federal Reserve operates alongside the government. The fact that what the value of money is is so vague and, you know what I mean? And the Federal Reserve is the reason for that. The fact that the gold standard was eliminated so long ago and then the government needs to borrow money from the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve always makes a profit on the money that they lend to the government, it seems like there was just so much power and so much influence given to a handful of individuals so long ago. And then ever since then, probably I'd say that every major world event has been dictated by those same individuals because they're the ones pulling the strings on every single government in the world. The bankers are running the world, no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, so anytime you hear about a war starting, you think to yourself, okay, well, these bankers are probably just creating division. You can even take it back to the whole idea of communism, for example. Like, Why was communism given so much credibility back when it was? It was to sow the seeds of division for an entire century of warfare. And then multiple centuries of cold warfare. Well, multiple decades. Uh, I don't know about centuries. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My bad. Multiple decades. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But just give it time. You know, even throughout that Cold War between the superpowers, there were all kinds of hot wars being fought all around the globe, like in Central America and Far East Asia. You know, there were actual, I mean, just think about America's involvement in Vietnam. It was like, that was a direct result of communism being such a big force, you know, a different version of government. And when you saw it fail, Back when the Soviet Union crumbled, you thought, okay, well, that's it. That's the communism is pretty much done for. It's run its course. Humanity's had enough of those kind of ideals. It doesn't work with human nature, etc. But now look at what's happening in America. You have this whole socialist revival and so many people speaking up in support of communist ideals again, thinking that somehow their version is going to be better than the Soviets who, you know, back in the the people that started the Bolshevik revolution, those were genius minds. You know, you're not going to create a better version of communism than what they did. I really doubt that that's possible because you really have to respect the minds of the Soviets. You can never take that away from them. They've always been incredibly intelligent people, you know? And, uh, to see that they couldn't make communism work is a very telling thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just Soviet Russia. It's also North Korea, Cuba, like mm-hmm. Venezuela. 
It, it's happened right. all over the world multiple times and failed literally every single time. So it's really interesting to me to see that there's a push for basically socialism or communism, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're witnessing like the worldwide takeover of that kind of stuff. China is a big one too that I didn't put on that list, but it's disappointing that people don't learn from the history. And mm -hmm. in my opinion, it appears that communist thinkers, you know, like the actual intellectuals in that kind of movement seem to be yep. playing the long game. In my opinion, it looks like they're playing the long game and they're not trying to win it overnight. They're setting things up incrementally so that maybe 50, 100 years from now, they've got it in the bag. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and this is another thing that needs to be said, is the fact that when you look at the World Economic Forum and all of the plans that they have for the future, their vision of what the future is supposed to be, which falls completely in line. In fact, you could even say that the pandemic is very questionably connected to all of their visions of the future. So, yes. uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and the World Economic Forum, uh, their vision of the future is inherently communist. It's where you have exactly a recreation of what happened in the Soviet Union. You have the privileged few who are the so-called elite. I hate using the term elite because they're not elite. They're the scum of the earth, you know? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> But, but you have a handful of individuals who have everything at their disposal. They have all the luxuries in the world, all the money in the world, everything that they want. And then you have the masses, and you're supposed to believe that somehow their version of the future, you're taken care of by the state from the cradle to the grave. And you have no worries, and you supposedly don't even own anything. And you'll love it. And somehow you'll be happy. Yeah. But all of those ideas go completely against human experience, really. It goes against human nature, it goes against human experience, because if you don't own anything, then anything that you have is going to be treated like garbage. Just think about even when you rent a car, right? You rent a car, and when you hit like a, a pothole or something like that, you're like, I don't give a shit, it's not mine. You know, it's like you hit a speed bump going really fast. You're like, who gives a shit? It's a rental. You know, right. Uh, that mentality is human mentality. If you don't own anything, you're not going to take care of anything. In other words, nothing that you're going to be able to have in their world is going to be well-maintained or nice. There's going to be no pride of ownership involved in anything. Right. Have you been to Russia? I have miserable, miserable place. I mean, I like the, the Russian people that I've encountered uh, the ones from the hardcore scene have been very nice. They've taken care of us very well, very hospitable people. Of course. But when you're in the country itself, nobody's smiling, a lot of misery. People are just basically kind of angry. You know, they operate in a very strange way. And it was just a kind of a strange experience for me. I couldn't wait to leave. And you can see the remnants of the old communist world there. A lot of the buildings are painted similar colors and a lot of stuff looks the same and just kind of can tell that communism has not been gone for very long. Well, I mean, just think about this. Sick of it all. When we first toured Europe, we were there in, it was March of 1992. 
That was the first European tour that we ever did. So just think about how close to the fall of the Berlin Wall that was. Yeah, a couple of years. And so when we um, went into what used to be East Germany, it was just so freaking obvious. As soon as you cross that border from West into former East Germany and the way everything looked, the technology that they had, for example, I, I uh, wanted to call my girlfriend from the first club that we played in Leipzig. And uh, I asked them, do you have a phone in the club that I can use? And they brought me to this phone. It looked literally like it was out of a World War II movie. You know, it was, it was just so giant and so awkward. And I don't know, it was just something like such a blast from the past. But meanwhile, this is what they were using in the early 90s. So we really had like this dark idea of exactly the difference between a communist lifestyle versus a non-communist lifestyle. Just talking to the people there, seeing their faces, seeing how kind of sullen they were as opposed to joyful, you know, it was just, it was really striking. And when we played in Poland for the first time, we were experiencing that same feeling once again, because going into that country, as soon as we crossed that border, the roads were terrible. You could, uh, you know, we went, went in a, a nightliner, which you sleep on, but there's no way you're getting any sleep for, uh, driving on Polish roads uh, at that time. So, uh, so it was the roads being horrible. And then we played the show and the type of apartment buildings that surrounded the club that we played, it just looked so depressing. It looked really, really like the standard of living was so low. And the more we played Poland, the more we realized, wow, look at the way they've turned this country around. It's night and day compared to the first time we were there. We were there first in 94, and now you go to Poland, the roads are nice, the cities are built up, everything looks nice. It's not some kind of, you know, forlorn kind of country anymore. It's, uh, it's progressive. It's, uh, you can see that they've really done good things there. So it, it makes a big difference when you're no longer operating under communism. Yeah, the biggest difference between when it sucked and when it was nice is a little thing called freedom. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and just the, the possibility of bettering yourself, of making yourself a rich man if you choose to do so, you know, uh, the possibility of just free enterprise and, and starting your own business and all that kind of stuff. Like th these are the things that we take for granted a lot here, but they're just uh, very important freedoms. Yeah. A hundred percent. I could not agree anymore. I'm very pro freedom, pro liberty, very against authoritarianism and uh, tyranny. Yeah. And unfortunately people with voices like you and I have become rare. Uh, there's another song on your last record that I feel like the lyrics were ahead of its time. And that song called deep state. Oh yeah. Was that you uh -huh. as well? No, that wasn't me. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was Pete's song, but that's also written from the standpoint of you got to question everything. You got to understand how the new technological world operates. You know, what is clickbait? What's not, uh, you know what I mean? It's, 
just being able to discern good from bad in this new age. And I just really kind of wish the world had maintained that kind of questioning stance throughout this whole COVID narrative because of the fact that just because it's a disease doesn't mean that there isn't some sinister plot behind it, especially the more that's revealed about the origins of the disease itself, the gain-of-function research put into said disease, what countries were behind it, the people involved in that research. And there's so much to be questioned. And the fact that people are okay just uh, looking at it purely from a medical perspective, it shouldn't just be viewed that way. There's, there's so much more to this. And when you look at it from a perspective other than just purely medical, that's when you really see exactly how sinister this world could potentially be. Yeah, and you get looked at as crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, though, how much more obvious does it have to be? (laughs) At, at, At this point, you really have to consider all those possibilities and consider the fact that either this was deliberately done or it was taken advantage of. The leak was taken advantage of. I don't think anybody's doubting that it was a lab-created thing. It's getting harder and harder to cling to that story. Exactly. So, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of people that just want to focus on the doom and the gloom of everything, medically speaking. But when you consider the entire tragedy of what's unfolded over the last couple of years, you really have to start putting the blame on certain people because certain people are that powerful and will use that power to usher in new eras of control. Yeah, and a big thing that the U.S. government and governments around the world seem to be taking advantage of is emergencies, you know, create a state of emergency so that you can pull off some new scheme. And it appears to me that these people are just going to keep creating these states of emergencies so they can keep getting away with all of this ridiculous, tyrannical nonsense. Yeah, and uh, it's designed to be in perpetuity. Like you're supposed to think that this emergency will just never go away. Right. It comes, well, it comes in waves and that's how they fuck with people's head. They'll uh, create some restrictions, create some tyranny, and then roll it back just a little bit to make people breathe a sigh of relief. And then they come back even harder. And then they do the same thing. They roll it back a little bit and then they come back even harder. And this psychologically fucks people up. You know, it would be one thing if the world was one way and every country kind of had a, a kind of rational way of dealing with what we've dealt with over the last couple of years. But then you look at Australia, right? Australia has no reason for being as tyrannical as they've been. They're an, no. They're, they're an island nation. They're a continent, but an island. They can allow in whoever the fuck they want and deny Uh, access to whoever the fuck they want very easily there are no land borders there's no you know surge of of migrants pouring into the country without any kind of control over it and for them to be as tyrannical as they're being to the point that they're actually going into aboriginal housing and holding them down and forcing vaccines into their bodies you know they're doing things that are just so beyond tyrannical and for so much of the country to be okay with it is mind-blowing 
this is, we're talking about one of the most advanced countries in the world. This is Australia is Western civilization to the nth degree, yet we're seeing this happen over there. And if we're not careful, we already see the start of that exact same kind of treatment of people in New York City, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, in Chicago, where all these vaccine mandates are being put in place where you can't access leisure activities unless you show proof of vaccination. And the proof of vaccination is a vaccine that does not stop you getting infected and does not stop the transmission of the disease. Correct. So how exactly, like what purpose do these mandates serve beyond just being a control tactic? That's the same question I'm always asking myself, you know? Being the tool of tyranny. That's what it is. It's the tool of tyranny. Yes. Yeah. And all of this stuff violates international laws as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, it should. But then you have people arguing that, you know, like, uh, for example, I brought up on one of my recent controversial posts that people go so ballistic over the fact that the vaccine roadmap was put in place in 2018 by the European Commission. 2018, right? So when you look at their vaccine roadmap, you'll see that it follows exactly what's happened since 2019 and 2020, where as the virus spread across the globe, you'll see exactly how it was planned out and exactly how it came to be, right? So well, the thing that really blew my mind is that there are people responding on my Instagram account saying, well, this should have been in place a lot sooner or else this pandemic might not have happened. Meanwhile, it's like, are you serious? You're asking, you, you want to be controlled that much more? You want that kind of control in your life. You want to be oppressed that much more. You're actually welcoming that into your life. It's, it's beyond me how anybody could want to lose their freedoms as far as bodily autonomy, the autonomy to make your own medical decisions, the autonomy to refuse experimental drugs being injected into you. Those are such important autonomous decisions that individuals should maintain. Yeah, and if you don't own your body, if you don't own your meat, what the hell you do just, you own? You you don't own anything. You're you're you are a slave to the state. Yep, and the best slave is one that doesn't know they're a slave. Right, exactly, and that's what that's how Operation Mockingbird comes into place, where you control the news and you control people's minds. They can control everything that people believe. Yep, you say a big enough lie enough times, eventually people will believe it. Some people used to say that back in the 1930s and 40s. Yeah, and, and <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting, too, because of the fact that now, over the last two years, not only have we had the beating down of the public with one certain narrative, you know, just hammered into their, their heads day in, day out, but you also have the censorship of anybody who questions it, who calls out the double standards that they see or speaks out against it in any kind of way. You actually have the big tech working alongside big pharma to just silence people and censor people. So it becomes even more questionable. Everything is 
so questionable to begin with, but when you see people being censored this way, it becomes even more shady. And more obvious to people with their eyes open. Yes. It becomes more (laughs) obvious that uh, maybe all these people getting censored are saying something that the censors themselves don't want me to know. Hmm, Maybe I should look into this. Yeah. That's what we've been dealing with for the last two years, where as soon as somebody speaks out against them, their credibility is attacked because it's a a medical situation that we're dealing with. All of a sudden, you you know, you can't just have a rational view of medicine anymore. You can't have a rational view of yourself in nature anymore because you're not a scientist. You have to be a scientist, but <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very convenient to silence all the scientists who question what's going on. And I really have this to say about people who want to believe the science so much. Anytime you have a trial done for any vaccine, right? You have a control group, right? Right. So the fact that so many people that are vaccinated right now are so stirred up against the unvaccinated, you really shouldn't be because right now they're the control group and we're not. We're helping the side. The unvaccinated are helping the science because how else would you ever know going forward if 100% of people are vaccinated about any kind of long-term health problems the vaccines will create, any type of heart problems, myocarditis, uh, all of the uh, possible fertility issues that could arise. Nobody knows about any of this kind of stuff. And the only way anybody will know is if a good chunk of the population remain unvaccinated. We're helping the science. Correct. You know? That's what we're doing. We're, That's right. We're, we're, we're trying to keep science alive. We're, we're not questioning the science. We're keeping the science in perspective. We need perspective on this whole thing. Everybody can't just jump from one side to the other and think, okay, everything's going to be hunky-dory because we're protected against this one thing in life. What if the, uh, being protected in that, uh, against that one thing in life opens you up to being attacked by a hundred other pathogens. What if your immune system becomes compromised in a way where all of a sudden the most common household bacteria could cause horrible disease to you? You know what I mean? These are questions that people that don't have critical thinking skills don't consider. Right. Because all they're concerned about is the terror that's been kind of driven into them by Every single time they turn on the news, they see the COVID report. You know, they see the, you know what I mean? It's always so deadly. It's always so frightening. It's You're supposed to live in crippling fear of this one thing. And I had it last year. I, I experienced what COVID was. It hit me like a really bad flu. And I was over it in three days. Yeah. You know, so I speak from experience. I don't deny that COVID exists. I believe that it was created in the lab, but I don't deny its existence. And I'm lucky in that I was a, I'm a exercising, healthy individual who takes care of himself. I mean, I'm sure I drink a little bit too much, but, uh, but I do take the supplements that I need to maintain a healthy immune system. And ever since then, I've been fine. I've been around people, vaccinated people, who have been sick with COVID 
very recently, and I've been fine. And I, I see a lot of vaccinated people around me who are suffering with the disease. So the fact that natural immunity is being kind of discredited by the medical professionals just goes to show you that somebody's making a lot of money from these injections. Oh yes. And <laughs> yeah. and what a what a brilliant business model. Couldn't get any better. You come right. up with a product, the government uses money that they stole from people, that they extorted from people to mm-hmm. pay you for the product and then they force everyone to take the product. Yeah. And you don't have to spend a dime in advertising because there's a gigantic fear campaign. What we're experiencing, in my opinion, is not just uh, medical tyranny. It's medical terrorism. Yeah, that's true. There's tons of fear and you make a product, it gets bought, it gets forced on people, and you don't have to advertise it because there's constant advertising coming from government, uh, media, all the propaganda arms that are there. It couldn't get any better for big pharma. Yeah, and they have people really fighting for them. Like your common person who becomes vaccinated or chooses to be vaccinated, then takes the stance that everybody else should do the same thing. And you have like you know, all of these common people that don't profit from it whatsoever now fighting their fight. Yeah, it's amazing. It's such a great evil scheme. <laughs> yeah, it really it's is. brilliant. Yeah, yeah the people that are running this shit are not stupid. Oh, no, 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 no. A lot of the people that are that are for it, uh, there might be some questions there, but the people that are orchestrating this stuff, and it's the same with communism, the people that buy into it might not be too bright, but the people that are orchestrating the stuff are mm-hmm. not stupid at all. They know exactly what they're doing. Right, exactly. And that's why I think back to the World Economic Forum, you know, and I think that they're to be feared. I think that their plans for the world are to be feared. I think that they possibly could have been involved from this thing from day one. I see them as possibly the greatest threat to humanity. The World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, he's like a straight up Bond supervillain. He dresses like a exactly. Sith Lord. <laughs> he talks like a James Bond villain. Yeah, he, he sounds like your Nazi supervillain. And, <laughs> you know, it's beyond me that people don't want to recognize that, don't want to look into that as a possibility. Because all of the catchphrases that have been thrown around recently by every single government and been echoed in the UN, for example, you know, the two things are the Great Reset and Build Back Better. Yes. Those two phrases have been echoed and parroted across this globe by so many governments, by so many government officials, to the point that even we even have the Build Back Better bill that Biden pushed through recently. So, and those are directly the product of Klaus Schwab and the, the World Economic Forum. So to think that they have nothing to do with what happened over the last two years is really naive. Yeah, and a lot of these people that are connected with the World Economic Forum are in Bilderberg Group, they're in the Trilateral Commission, they're in the Council on Foreign Relations. They're people that are pushing mainstream totalitarian agendas on the reg, and they're associated with the World Economic Forum. Celebrities, scientists, politicians, yep. all of these people are, uh, like George Carlin said, it's a big club. 
and, and you, you ain't, ain't in it. <laughs> you and I are not in the big club. Exactly. And, um, you know, World Economic Forum had a lot to do with things like Event 201 that took place just a couple of months before this whole outbreak began, running yeah. a uh, like an exercise right. on a worldwide coronavirus pandemic that jumped from animals to humans. Yep. And if you look at what was discussed in Event 201, it's a lot like what you're talking about with the UN's plan back in 2018. Event 201, like it's pretty much tit for tat exactly what has happened. Even down to the vaccine hesitancy. You know? Yes, and the propaganda and social media and, and the brainwashing techniques and how to propagandize to people to make them get on board and get behind this. It's yep. all to a T what they planned already. And the fact that it has, you know, a medical decision has been politicized this way goes to show you how sinister all of this is. Because there are so many people, especially in Europe, it seems, just because there are far-right movements that have embraced the anti-vax movement, now it's been kind of smeared in a way where as soon as you question anything about the vaccination, now you're a far-right fascist person who supports those organizations and it doesn't make any sense to me you know like i think that rationally thinking people would never think that a medical decision would have anything to do with politics right yeah i mean it's a game being played on our backs and the second people stand up it's all over and it's funny that people would accuse those that want bodily autonomy and don't want to be forced or coerced into taking experimental medical injections, they are called fascists, right. which is hilarious because if you look up textbook definition of fascism, it's not just brown shirts and jackboots. It is when big business and big government get together, shake hands and start helping each other out. That's what fascism is. And you look at all these big pharma companies with governments working hand in hand, perfectly in unison and lockstep, that is fascism. Right. And it's all about control. It's all about authority, which is what we're dealing with at the moment. Yeah. I got to ask you. So the band is from New York, right? Yep. Where do you live? I live just north of the city in Westchester County. Okay. And it's still New York State, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, I'm, okay. just, uh, I'm just north of the Bronx. Got it. So do you have any plans of ever <laughs> of revisiting New York City? New York City... You know, it really sucks what's happened there because I, oh, I used it's mind to, blowing. I, I used to love the city. I used to always think that New York was kind of like a rebel city in a way where it kind of like stood apart from the federal government. It rejected what would come out of Washington and all of that. But now I see that the influx of people from all other parts of the country has made it something completely different. Native New Yorkers are a rare commodity. And uh, now you, you have all these transplants that have changed the city so dramatically that it, it's just like a shell of its former self. And seeing what's happened just in, in the last few months has just made me, I don't know, it's taken all of the charm that the city once held and it's just kind of washed away. It's been washed away. I, I, I don't have any loyalty to this area anymore. And uh, believe me, the property taxes are one more excuse to, to leave this place. 
Yeah, it's out of control. It genuinely is out of control over there. Yeah, it's depressing shit. Wasn't there something uh, last week that got voted on on the state level that the governor could have the authority to just detain people without bail, without a trial, if they're you know, found to be infected? Well, infected would be doublespeak for unvaccinated. You know, like th- those kind of things have been tabled, at least. Those types of bills have been put on the table. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, I-, I think it's too soon. I don't think they've gotten the approval that they were looking for. I guess it's too soon in America for those type of things to be pushed through. They're happening in Australia now, and that's why I think Australia is such like a – it's the New World Order testing grounds. Yes. Uh, they're, they're pushing for complete control, complete authoritarianism, complete totalitarianism, and they're seeing how far they could push the people of Australia in all those regards, especially in the when it comes to their, their medical – choices and people's medical freedoms like they're trying to take all of that away and also create this mindset that people that don't choose the way i do are subhuman that's right or are unclean and should be separate from the rest of society they're they're pushing that kind of mindset which is so incredibly dangerous to the world yeah i mean world war ii and the holocaust and stuff didn't happen that long ago Right. And here we are. And especially in places like Germany and Austria, seems like it must be in their genetics or something to, to love <laughs> fascism and tyranny because here we are, not even 100 years later, and they're all about it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's depressing as shit. It's, it, like, I, I really don't know what to say about the world because it's, uh, it looks so hopeless. Well, I, I think there are bits of news and information that are coming out now that are starting to wake people up a little bit. So I don't think all hope is lost, but it needs to start snowballing and, and speed up here because if the rest of the world turns into Australia, we're not looking so good. I, I just don't know like how many boosters is it going to take before people start questioning the, the science behind this vaccine? How, how many boosters is it going to take before people start thinking to themselves, okay, well, maybe these mandates are kind of bullshit, you know, because uh, I'm still sick and here I am on my 12th booster. Like, ha- what is the limit for different individuals? Uh, and what would be the limit for the person that's like sold into it completely? There has to be a limit for them too. You know, like they, they can't just go a- along with this forever. There would have to be a point where they would say to themselves, I've been accepting these injections and I still get sick. Like, why is this still happening? Should I still blame the unvaccinated? Or is it the product that's not working? Is it the product that's a failure? You know, like, uh, it, there has to be a certain point with everybody where they just stop being loyal to this idea that this new vaccine technology is the path forward. Well, I think it's really hard to snap some of these people out of their stupor because. I mean, when, when someone's completely brainwashed and has succumbed to ideological subversion, you could show them evidence. This is what Yuri Bezmenov talked about. You could show them evidence. You could show them photographs, videos, documents, take them to a concentration camp, and they still won't believe that it's real. Uh-huh. And that, that is where I think some people are. Some people are so hypnotized by mm-hmm. all of this that it, I'm not sure they ever will wake up. But I think that the numbers of people that are going to wake up and are waking up is growing. 
by the week. So I think that's good news, but that just makes me really kind of sit here and scratch my head and wondering what's going to be the next thing because <laughs> maybe some people wake up and then there's some new ultra super variant that comes out that just makes them clam right back up and go back into their shell. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, during this weird time, you guys have played some shows, haven't you? We have. Yeah, we, we played a handful of shows in uh, 2021. So That's awesome. we're playing we're playing our show coming up in, uh, in at the end of January as well in Baltimore yeah, at the Auto Bar. Nice. It's looking good. Like it's close to selling out. So it's always nice to see those kind of numbers being, you know, advanced ticket sales. That's killer. So what's up with Autobar? What's their uh, situation there with as far as letting people in and how's that all work? I believe there's a mask mandate, you know, but there's no uh, proof of vaccination being asked for. Great. I love that because uh, like you've discussed several times already, and I've mentioned it on this podcast so many times, people that got the injections are still catching and spreading the disease. So what the fuck is the point? I would rather go into a room full of people that had negative tests than go into a room full of people that all took the injection. Right, One of them exactly. is much safer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, just think about the way New York has been. New York has been completely closed, you know, shut down to the unvaccinated for many months now. And just recently, there have been shows happening where huge numbers of people test positive and get sick from coronavirus after the show. So obviously these are a bunch of vaccinated people, fully vaccinated, possibly boosted people all getting sick and transmitting the, the disease to one another. So you see this going on. People are experiencing this happening. So there has to be a certain point where we realize that these mandates are just ridiculous. Yeah. They're completely asinine and totally illogical. They make mm -hmm. no sense at all. And uh, something that I've discussed on this podcast before, and I, I still think it's true, is that when you look at what's going on and the types of uh, power grabs and this, that, and the other, it does not make any sense when you look at it through the lens of the government and you know the news and big pharma and medicine and stuff. They're all looking out for us. They're, they have our best interest. Mm -hmm. None of what's happening makes any sense. But when you start looking at it through the lens of they are trying to destroy society, mm -hmm. then it all makes way more sense. Every move that they do seems like, oh, of course they would do that. Oh, why wouldn't you do that? You're trying to destroy society. Well, you could even question the entire medical establishment, you know, because the, the entire medical establishment has always been set up not to keep people healthy but to make people sick and then treat them after they're sick. John D. Rockefeller, baby. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's the way medical advice should be administered is preventative. It shouldn't be reactionary. You know, it shouldn't be treating symptoms. It should be treating the cause and then recognizing the cause, recognizing certain risks people have, and then giving medical advice to those people how to remain healthy as opposed to live your life when you get sick, then we have these medications that you can use and you'll have a chronic condition and you'll use these products for the rest of your life. And we got another one. We got another lifelong customer, you know, as opposed to the idea of actually keeping people healthy and safe. There's no money in that. <laughs> 
that's never been a consideration because there's no money in it. They want people to be sick. So therefore, the advice given by doctors is always just reactionary. It's never proactive. Every once in a while, there's a good doc out there that that understands what you're saying. But by and large, that's not how they're trained. And largely, this is due to Rockefeller. Yeah, I'm talking like in general, the way Western medicine is practiced. Sure. I'm really generalizing. And I totally agree where every once in a while, you come across a doctor with his or her heart in exactly the right place. And God bless them for it. Yeah, a lot of this stuff has become commonplace ever since Rockefeller took over the medical education industry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Evil plot. He had all of the the oil stuff. He's an oil man. Realized mm-hmm. that you could make medicines out of oil. Would go and tell these medical schools, hey, I'll give you a bunch of money. But the catch is you got to get some of my people on your board. And they would say like, well, mm-hmm. we need the money. So yeah, that sounds good. And now you have Rockefeller influence on all of these medical schools, which is based on selling oil-based medicines instead of Mm. homeopathic or nature-based products or prevention. It's all a big money grab. And it's really genius. I got to give the guy props. It's very smart, (laughs) but it's very evil and very corrupt. And we're still living under that exact same... That model, yeah. Exact same model, yeah, is still here, and it's here stronger than ever. And uh, a lot of people don't teach you this stuff, and they don't teach you this stuff in school. Most people don't know this shit. And how deliberate is that? Uh, Yeah, the Department of Education was started in 1979, and I I was just talking about this with uh, Jason Bassler from the Free Thought Project. He he calls them public indoctrination schools, uh, indoctrination Mm -hmm. camps, and he's completely correct. It's what they are. We're, we're trained to be obedient. We're trained to not question authorities. We're trained to not question narratives. We're trained to not fully understand history. And there's plenty of things they teach you in school that you don't need. There's plenty of things they don't teach you in school that you probably should have. That you should know. Yeah, it's wild. Wild time to be alive. Yeah, just like the the history of the Gates family, you know, that that comes into play quite a bit too, along right alongside the Rockefellers. Yeah, the, I mean, Bill Gates, you know, the guy that wants to depopulate the planet, I would definitely trust anything he has to say about medical injections that should be given to the entire human population. Especially, you know, cuz he's been quoted as saying that vaccines were his greatest investment. Oh yeah. Nothing weird about that. And, uh, Right. And the fact that he's been responsible for for many, many failed vaccine tests that were done on African populations where uh, huge numbers of children either died or have permanent disabilities. Yeah. Same within India. Like, I think it's half a million children are paralyzed from Gates vaccines. Yeah. Yep. So as much as you want to think that this guy has your best interests in mind, think about what he does to people on a daily basis. Think about how he could rest his head every night, like sleep just fine, knowing that there are children out there that are permanently disabled or dead because of the things that he's done in his life. Yeah. You know, a true sociopath. And I mean, it's an old joke now, but it is hilarious that this dude invented a computer operating system and he couldn't even keep viruses off of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to trust him with your, your biology. Yeah. Wow. Yep. 
something we know even less about. <laughs> yeah, infinitely more complex and, and less yep. predictable. You have one show coming up in Baltimore. Do you have any tours planned? Anything else coming up? Any new record? We have a tour in the books uh, for the springtime with Agnostic Front. Where awesome. It, it's all kind of based around the, the Rockville Festival down in Daytona in Florida. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this whole thing will happen. Uh, between now and then, anything's possible. I don't want to say that it's definitely happening just yet. Because things change so rapidly nowadays. And to see cities like Chicago all of a sudden, like now requiring vaccine mandates, you never know what's going to happen with other cities. And I just got my fingers crossed that these shows actually happen and the tour will actually happen. Beyond that, international travel looks impossible. And uh, anything that we do is going to be domestic. Hopefully, we're going to be doing another tour with Agnostic Front in September on the West Coast as well. Now, not just the West Coast, but including Denver and Salt Lake City and Boise and places like that as well. Well, I'm in Denver, so if you guys are going to be playing here, I'm definitely going to come out. Awesome. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, I told you that I would ask you one question at the end here, and I asked this of all the guests. If you could Mm -hmm. leave one message behind to future generations, what would you want to tell them? Well, I mean, I, I'm glad you gave me like a little advanced notice on something so profound. I'm not going to be the most profound person here, but I would just warn future generations that being immersed in technology and accepting technology and the supposed advances in technology into your life, shutting yourself away from the natural world would be really a cause for more concern than you even know. Because the more control is exerted over your life, the easier it's done with technology, with surveillance, with all of those things being put into effect right now. Nobody has any personal freedom anymore. We always carry a camera. We always carry a microphone. We always carry the possibility of ourselves being surveilled. And the dangers surrounding all of that surveillance are limitless. And I would say that that would be the main concern I would have for future generations, accepting too much of that into their life just because of the conveniences that it could afford them. Love it. All right. Thanks a lot for taking some time out of your day. I really enjoyed talking with you and uh, keep fighting the good fight. You're you're one of the rare ones that's speaking out and doing the right thing here. I will. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah, dude, let's keep in touch and maybe we can play some shows in the future. Beautiful. Woo! You like that? I like that. Thanks a lot for sticking around till the end, friends. I really appreciate your attention. I will be talking to you all again sometime next week, so keep your peepers open for that, and I'll give you all an update on what I've been up to this week. I went out of town for a little bit, so look forward to some shenanigan stories. All right, go listen to some Sick of It All. I'll have some links to their stuff in the description below. Until next time, riffers, please take care of yourselves and each other. Don't forget to think for yourself and keep fighting the good fight. Hit riffsordie.com to pick up some merch and support the show, or go to patreon.com slash riffsordie and sign up. And feel free to send me an email, podcast at riffsordie.com. All questions and comments are welcome podcast at riffsordie.com. 
Take it easy, friends. Talk to you soon. 